This is the moment many wait for. The most entertaining. The man of wisdom. The man of experience, Dave. The most informative. To bring light to a dark subject. To bring positivity to a negative world. The incredible Paul Moyer. Moyer out, you losers. Losers. Fired up that day by God. We always look forward to this conversation. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Our buddy Paul Moyer is here. How are you, man? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on a Wednesday. Man, this is uh, a nice treat. Well, we couldn't wait to talk to you, so we bumped it up a day. How about that? <laughs> exactly. Hey, so what was? Uh, I don't know. What did you? What did you do for the Super Bowl? Did you? Did you have a party? Go to a party? Did you watch it in a room by yourself? How do, how do you approach those those moments? I, you know, again, I like I like people around, um, but I I need them to know I'm really there to watch the game. I'm not real there for conversation so we went to one of my good friend terry cook's house and hung out with just a couple couples and it was it was low-key it was fun we were moving the channels around watched the nickelodeon one for probably 10 minutes too long i think we we ran it for 10 minutes and 30 seconds but um that was kind of interesting i get how kids would have enjoyed that but yeah just yeah it was a great day great game and um yeah, probably a good outcome. I, I really didn't care who won. I'm not sure the best team won. I, I really think San Francisco just got snake bit by by the big plays, the big moments of that game. Yeah. So, uh, you know what what were what were some of the things that stood out to you? I mean, you know, we were just talking about to me the Kyle Shanahan thing is the the least of my worries that he wanted the ball first. I get it that you're effectively given Mahomes four downs because then they know how far they have to go and that kind of thing. But did that, was that a, a big deal to you? Were you at that time going, Oh, I wonder why he did that. Or was it just kind of like, eh, how, how do you react? No. Yeah, no. I mean, first of all, if they had a scored first, that would have uh, changed everything. And if I'm right on the rules, I'm a little confused now with uh, all these things, but you know, it's a one it's, you know, it's a playoff rule. And, you know, it's not during the regular season, but if, if you truly got the ball first scored, they went down scored and it was tied, then the 49ers get the ball again. So, I mean, I think statistically, or, you know, their analytics that, that makes the most sense. You know, I think it has more to do with, man, it's, it's second and four. I think it was second and four, whatever the, the number was. I go, that's four down territory to me for the 49ers. And I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to get to fourth and one or two and go for it. Now, that was my only issue was, you know, it was third and four in that situation. It was incomplete. I'd love for it to have been third and one or two. Um, and that, that's, that would have been the only thing I changed. And uh, you got to give credit to Kansas City, man. They came up with the big blitzes and scheme at the big moments. And, you know, when you look at a game like that, it's pretty evenly matched. I mean, Kansas City's defense is very good. But that's one of the few times I go, they, they, they flat out out coached the 49ers because I don't think the 49ers, I think the 49ers talent wise are better than Kansas City. I think if they played 10 times on a neutral field, I really think, I think San Francisco wins seven or eight of those. And I know Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal, but he beat him with the, the legs way more than he beat him with his arm. Um, I just thought they got out coached on, on that scheme and they got some free blitzers at, huge moments and it, it caused Brock Purdy to to panic a little bit yeah the the play in overtime where he looked like he had his receiver set to be open Chris Jones comes untouched 
And Dave and I were just talking about that that play, Paul, where you know a couple of the O linemen on the 49ers were kind of going back and forth at each other on on Twitter. Like, yeah, that wasn't his fault. If this guy had done his job, you you, you know he wouldn't have had to cut or any you know basically kind of throwing his guy under the under the bus there. But uh, what what did you say? Was that just uh, uh, the guy blanked out? Was that a scheme thing? How does Chris Jones of all players the way, the game he was having? And he's the one that comes on that play, and he literally is untouched, and Purdy either has to fire the ball or take the sack. I mean, there was just no other avenue. Well, I think somebody was going to be untouched. It's just the wrong guy was untouched. Um, obviously, there was a, a breakdown in the offensive line. And there there are times, though, from a technique uh, standpoint, that you can mess up and still recover. I don't know what the offensive tackle was doing. They, he he was looking. They're talking about the right offensive tackle. He was looking out wide. That's fine. But get in your pedal. Stay. You know, at least get your your arm on on Jones if that's the case. And if no one but he comes, then you could have immediately have pushed pushed him, just nudged him, and that play gets off, and you're going to have a first down on one, probably a touchdown. And if he had just a little bit of time, you know, he, he had two or three guys open. So it was a complete bust. I didn't love the play either because I think they pulled their, their guard or center on that uh, away from the play. That opened the play up even more. So there was some confusion on how that play was designed. But it happened a couple of times. I mean, where they, you know, had their nickel blitzing. He came scot-free. I mean, and there are plays all over the board that guys are open. If he just has a little time where somebody's nudged or if the ball's not knocked down, Purdy has a chance. But I will say this. It's the first time I've seen Purdy flinch and not um, I think trust himself. There was a couple times where guys were, were wide open free and he hesitated. And he normally doesn't hesitate. That's That has been his skill. I mean, he's got great feet. He knows exactly where to go. And he hesitated throwing the ball in the middle of the field. And there was times if he had to just trusted himself and threw it uh, on timing, they, he would have had some plays. But he held it just a little bit. And they, they came and, and knocked the ball away from him a couple times. So, yeah, that was the first time I didn't see him really clutch out. Not he didn't lose a game. I thought he played pretty well. He didn't make anything great throws, but you know he 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 was under some duress and they they had tight coverage. Uh, it was just a game of big plays. I, you know, obviously the turnovers and untimely ones by the Forty ers and the big blitzes when they dialed it up. And they 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 make some havoc. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs did. What, what did you think of? Uh, I, I was a little perplexed by them continually going after McDuffie and Sneed, who are their two best corners out there, two best secondary guys. And yet, I mean, I guess on one hand, I'm like, ah, no fear. You're going after everybody. But it seemed like they were really going after those guys. And those guys kept making plays. I mean, they were good passes, but these guys were making better plays on the ball. And, and it seemed like Shanahan kept kept calling for that, which seemed a bit confusing to me. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple where I said, I get it. You know, you've got one-on-one, you've you got kind of a wheel route. Um, you know, you're behind him a little bit, but the guy was on cover. I mean, they 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 covered well. But I get, oh, there's no there's nobody in center field. There's nobody help over the top. I'm going to take some shots there. Um, but I look, Steve Spagnola. I, I never thought he was a great guy. I know you you've always been pretty uh, pretty high on him, Dave. But you know, he's had some moments where he struggled. 
But I'll tell you what, that was a brilliant game plan. And whatever they did to free up the guys they did, the way they matched up with, with their skill guys on, on their skill guys, I mean, they just they did a phenomenal job. And it just goes to show you, I mean, this kind of transitions a little bit to the Seahawks. I'm really curious what they're going to do with this roster. Because, you know, from a salary cap standpoint, they got some tough decisions to do. And we may need to unload some big-time offensive names. But, man, it, it, if you, you cannot tell me defense doesn't matter. I mean, mm-hmm. those two defenses dominated that game with two offenses that everybody is afraid of. And they, both those defenses weren't afraid of either one of the offenses. And, and uh, I just thought that was so impressive. So I'm really curious to see how the Seahawks make up moving forward. Is is it do we put more emphasis on the defense over the offense um, or, you know, do we try to be, you know, super balanced? But those two teams got to the Super Bowl and Kansas City won the Super Bowl because of their defense. Yeah, you know, Jennings just on that whip route he ran, he was wide open, man. Uh, and then, but I, I thought, you know, that was all the design. Like, we're going to give that up because we're our pass rush is going to get there. So, yeah, I, I loved uh, that performance. Uh, as far as Wilkes goes, what do you think about that, Paul? He, he's fired today, their defensive coordinator. And, you know, we were thinking back to when they were in the middle of that losing streak this year. He kind of threw Wilkes under the bus, something about bringing a, a zero blitz or something like that. So was that surprising to you? No, um, I, no, it's not surprising. I, and just and I read the article, and, and you're talking about the zero blitz. It was against Minnesota, I think right. week seven, yep. and it was right before the halftime. And it, I remember watching the game, and we all went, "Wow, what are, what are you doing?" I mean, yeah, you don't call zero blitz there, and they did. And um, again, you can call zero blitz, but you certainly can't be up and press and get beat the way they did. I mean, I was, that was really bad. And you start looking at their run defense, particularly in the playoffs. They were giving up 150 yards a game rushing, 5.1 yards per rush. It just wasn't a good fit. Um, you know, Wilkes is a good coach. He's proven that. But Shanahan wanted the same scheme. And so now you're bringing in an outsider who may not know the scheme the way the other defensive coordinators did. And I think that's kind of what he was alluding to is just, he's a good coach, but, you know, trying to marry all of those pieces, it, it didn't work. And they, they didn't put a lot of pressure this year on quarterbacks and we were shocked, you know, they, they, they're secondary phenomenal. I mean, he, that's kind of his skill is in that back end. But when you go and look at the defensive line, as many good players as they have and not get the pressure that they should have gotten, uh, you know, that's cause for concern. And I think their expectations are high. And I just, again, sometimes it doesn't work. Doesn't mean he's not a good coach. And it certainly doesn't mean he's not a good guy. Yeah. So all in all, you, you, it, to me, it was a tale of two halves. I thought probably you and Dave appreciated the first half more than most. Cause I, I found it a bit dull, but it was a defensive struggle you know you two great defenses playing each other but then the second half things opened up a bit obviously you get to overtime it became very compelling and became the most watched program in history i guess next to the moon landing was was the only thing to topic but top it but i mean just when you think the nfl can't get bigger it does it just does get bigger it's just it's i don't know what was your the whole event the commercials halftime show did you did you enjoy the whole thing when it was all said and done 
The moon I landing did. never happened, first of all. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was well, all big. You know that from it, Luke Wilson. It, it's, well, here's what we know, Dave. It's the most watched event in color. How's that? Yeah, there we black, go. black and white there for the moon landing. Um, I, I just thought it was a great game. I thought it was the two, probably the two best teams. I mean, I, you know, was, before that, I was rooting for Baltimore. Uh, but, you know, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, you know, and, and the players they have. Well, they got a lot of no-name guys, not anymore. Man, they had a really good football team, particularly on defense. You know, their their offense was just okay. Um, but I thought it was a great game, and I thought it was entertaining. The first half, it was. you're right, there's some, hmm, this is interesting. But a lot of that was some turnovers that didn't cause for some scoring, and then the defenses really did settle in. But at the end of the day, I mean, we got an overtime game where one team went down and scored and the other team went down and had had a kick or get a touchdown to beat them. That was pretty exciting. And, you know, there's some controversial things that went on with it. Um, I've never been huge on the halftime thing because it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, it's it's hard to entertain in 20 minutes and get, get all the songs that you want. Uh, you were disappointed Usher didn't play your favorite Usher hits? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I like Usher. I mean, you know, I I don't have a problem. I just felt like the whole thing was rushed, and then had another person and another person, and I, you know, there were some guys our broadcast uh, broadcast crew. They were texting saying, "Man, this is unbelievable," and I'm like, eh. You know, I still think Bruno Mars in New York was the best one. I really, I mean, and there's been some good ones with Michael Jackson and Prince, and um, but Prince I thought, is the king. I thought, Oh, that was a great one. But I thought Bruno Mars was so entertaining because he wasn't trying to get everything in there. He didn't have to have 10 different uh, special guests. And I think that's what it's becoming now is, you know, how many stars can I pull off the street and surprise everybody? But <laughs> but other than that, it was good. I, I, I think the whole streaming thing to get other younger kids and different walks of life interested in football they are a marketing machine the nfl it's they're, they're the best entertainment in the game so um it was good and then monday i didn't care i'm good you know it's uh <laughs> getting ready for spring training and the seahawks what they're going to do in the off season hey bruno mars wasn't that the the super bowl in new york yeah new york yeah okay. and we're... katie perry was really good too when in arizona i thought right. she did a really good job well, now, we were live we were live so um i've heard you know, those who were at the Super Bowl this year, they said, no, it was really good live. And I'm like, eh, okay, maybe there's something to that when compared to when you're at home and everybody's talking and you're trying to listen. I thought you were doing the halftime show. Weren't you Weren't you paying attention to the halftime show of instead of Bruno was, Mars we and were, Katy Perry? I, You know what? That's funny you say <laughs> that. I, I want to say that we might have, like, because it's so long, right? It's a 20-minute halftime compared yeah. to 12 minutes. We probably let some of it play, and we were we were quiet. Um, yeah, but we were talking very quietly, and I was probably one of the few times I wasn't saying much because I was so entertained. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, are you somebody that looks at mock drafts? Do you do you get into that? I, I love it. I lo I just love the speculation and seeing everybody's you know opinion on what this team needs. And we we're obviously keeping an eye on the Seahawks, and and we'll talk mock drafts later in the show. But I was just looking up at the screen as you were talking, and Field Yates just released his latest mock draft, and he's got the Seahawks Seahawks at sixteen taking a tight end. Out of uh, Georgia, uh, Bowers yeah. taking taking him, and we've seen some that are edge rushers. We've seen some that are offensive tackles. We've seen some that are quarterback. I mean, is it, they're all over the map. With the there's no consensus is the point. 
do you get do you like that or do you find them you just ignore all the the mock drafts up until the draft I like football, so of course I'm looking. And mostly it's so I can be negative towards them and say they don't know what they're talking about. Um, and when's the last time we actually picked somebody in the mock draft? Uh, I think Charles Cross is one of them that mo- – I don't want to say most people thought it was Charles, but hmm. we we definitely had an offensive tackle in there, and there was a lot that had Charles Cross in there. But it's – it's pretty rare. And usually because we're not drafting that high, you know, it's uh, by the time things fall to you, you have no idea. I think some of these mock drafts too, is they have no idea what the Seahawks are going to do from their salary cap and their roster right now. So th- those things can change, but you know, that obviously that tight end from Georgia is phenomenal. We're going to, we got a few free agents, um, uh, two of them at tight end. You have one, Will Disley that, they're either going to have to restructure his deal um, because he's he costs. A, matter of fact, I'm looking at the salary cap right now. But yeah, so I do. Yeah, he's going to cost 10 million cap uh, if they cut him. You know, you'd save like seven million dollars. So there's a chance we are tight endless. Um, but that would be good. But I, I've seen a lot. The Murphy guy from Texas, one of their defensive tackles. But we have no idea. I, we we got to see what we do in free agency. We got to see what we do with the salary cap, and then we'll have a better idea with this whole mock draft stuff. But it is fun to look at. Hey, Paul, do you think the we were talking to uh, Nick Baumgartner uh, about you know some of the mistakes that get made in the draft? It seems to me that you know drafting for need is really. I mean, the more I think about it, the more it's like, man, you're you're really kind of forcing that situation, but. I don't know. I mean, if you were the GM, would that be one of the biggest pitfalls, do you think? It seems like, you know, because every year somebody has a flop or something that, uh, you know, and I think for for us, LJ Collier, because they really needed a defensive lineman at that point. So I'm just... Yeah, it's, to me, that's that's always weird when you, you draft that way. And I feel like Schneider does the opposite of that because, you know, you look at Witherspoon being picked at number five. They didn't really need a corner. But, yeah, it seems like that's one of the, the, the bigger mistakes. You agree? Yeah, I yeah I do. Um, but I think with this, you know, there's happened a few times. I think when we had a Fetty, we needed a, a an offensive tackle as well. And, yeah. You know, and, you know, so there's some times where we, that we need to do stuff, but I think what John does, if it is a need thing, you know, he'll trade back and you know, he's not going to reach for a player yeah. very rarely. Now that doesn't mean sometimes you don't reach for a player. I think like Bruce Irvin would have been an example. And some people say, well, why did you, you draft him that high? Because we had him as the number one edge rusher at that time. And there's no way we would have got a chance to get him again. So you, you take them. So there's a lot that goes into that. But, yeah, I'm not going to grab a, a defensive tackle like last year. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, Jalen Carter, phenomenal, had a lot of, you know, red flags on him. That For them, probably that wasn't a risk that they were willing to do and thought they could get some guys that maybe weren't that far off, you know, later in the in the first round or second round. Um, you go look at last year, you know, we, we draft a wide receiver in the first round. We draft a running back in the second round. Those probably weren't needs, but they like them as football players. And I do like what John does, but I'm really curious, Dave and Bob, I am really curious to see what John does in the draft and free agency moving forward. Does this, does he change to really what he wants? Because the influence from Pete is real. 
And that doesn't mean he tells John necessarily you you can't have that guy, but he can say I want this guy or this is the type of guy I want for our our offense and defense. And John's got to work around that. He doesn't have to work around that anymore. So this is going to be it's going to be a different draft and free agency I think than we've seen in the past. Maybe not drastically, but I think it's going to be fun to watch what John does with the complete control. No, I'm with you 100% on that because I think it gives us a very clear picture as to how much influence Pete did have on some level. If, if you know, John does draft for need or if he does draft somebody that you, you seems more of an obvious pick versus some of the picks we've seen, you know, the LJ Colliers and, you know, uh, James Carpenters where you're going, wait, who? You know, I don't know if that's John, if that's Pete, it's the whole staff getting together. So it it will. I agree. It's going to be very interesting to see. Is it going to be noticeable or will it look like any other Seahawks draft? Yeah. I and mean, when you're a GM like that, you want to hang your hat on you. And even though I think Pete always gave him praise, I, I don't know. Would, would, would John have drafted a running back last year in the second round? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Pete is, you know, we got to have running backs. You know, would John have done that? I, I don't know. I, I, we're we're going to find out. You know, maybe it looks exactly like it's always looked, and then we'll say, oh, well, Pete had no influence. But I think it's we're, the type of player, uh, the skill level, I, I think it's going to be uh, not what we've seen in the past. Paul, great stuff as always. We appreciate you, my friend. Have a great week, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope your significant others treat you correct. All right. <laughs> See you, Paul. All right, All right uh, Paul. Moy out. Paul, be my Valentine. Oh, too late. Oh, darn. I will. Send me a card. He's done. Send me a card. <laughs> I don't him. leave. I don't drop, man. I don't drop early. <laughs> yeah, Never. there you go. Send him a card, and the answer is yes. Yeah, there we go. Love it. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Paul. There you go. Paul Moyer with us each and every week. If you missed any of that conversation, it will be on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. A reminder, the John Schneider Show begins tomorrow. Tomorrow at 4 p.m., a week earlier than we thought. So it's even better. We'll be out at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center talking to the Seahawks GM for the first time. And we're going to, you can tune in every Thursday starting tomorrow until the NFL draft, including our interview with the Seahawks GM the night of the first round of the draft. That'll be on April 25th. So starting tomorrow, 4 p.m., the John Schneider Show returns. Coming up, we got some passionate responses on the matter of the Seahawks quarterback situation yesterday. Want to take a look at some of the options out there for those that want to get rid of Gino. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks once again to Paul Moyer, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys just tuned into the program, that conversation will be available for you on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Now, yesterday, Dave, we got into sort of a a, out-of-nowhere conversation. I had no intentions of talking about Gino. We were talking about something different, and then it just sort of took off. Sort of like a court, was it, did Matt start it? No, nah, Matt. No. Usually, Matt's the one to start the Geno conversation because oh, he's absolutely. he's invested. The way he does his stuff, he's great <laughs> or, or bad. I'm not sure. The way he does, he does stuff. his stuff. Uh, no. no, but it just—I I don't even remember what prompted. Just got some texts about you know, got to get rid of Geno. This team's going to be mediocre. He's a 500 quarterback, and then it just started. We were reading a couple of the texts on the air, and then it started snowballing. And, and then did you tell the texters, please send in suggestions? <laughs> 
Yes, who? it's exactly what we did because there was a lot of you're never going to win with him. He's a fight. He's a, he's a backup. He's a this. He's a that. You got to get rid of him. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to blame you for feeling like that because, as I said yesterday, I was the biggest Geno skeptic out there. I kept calling him duct tape. I said he's just he or Drew Locke are going to just occupy that spot till they find their real quarterback. And my mind changed based on what I saw from him. He played decidedly better than I ever anticipated. Is he Patrick Mahomes? No, he's not. He's not, a, in my opinion, he's not a top 10 quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Uh, I, and to me, he's the least of their problems, but there was a ton of texts coming in, get rid of him. And I, we, you know, Lefko and I were like, okay, well, what's the solution? Who's... Who's the guy then? Mm -hmm. Because technically, he's your only quarterback on the roster. Drew Locke is a free agent. You're picking at 16. Are you going to draft a quarterback at 16 that you're going to throw right into the deep end and that's going to be your starter? Who's the veteran that's available? Who's the available veteran out there? And a couple people texted in Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Tyler Huntley. Those were the three names that came up mode that were legitimate. Other people, you got to trade for Justin Fields. I'm like, okay, you're going to give up draft capital for a guy who has proven nothing yet, and his team is now wanting to get rid of him because they've got the number one pick. So, I it, to me, there's not a logical. Well, this guy's sitting there. How do you not go get him? Is in your mind, Baker Gardner, and and listen, Baker had a good year, completed sixty over sixty four percent of his passes, over four thousand yards passing, twenty eight touchdowns, ten picks. You can look at Gardner Minshew, 62% of his passes, 3,300 yards, 15 touchdowns, nine picks. Um, Tyler Huntley didn't play a lot, 21 of 37, 203 yards, three touchdowns. Played a season-high seven games back in 21. And then Kirk Cousins is the other name that comes up. But it sounds like Minnesota wants to keep him there. And Justin Jefferson, who is looking to resign, is making it clear he wants Kirk Cousins to remain there. He's he's also a 36-year-old who ruptured his Achilles. So he's he's coming back off that, but just for the uh, the point of him going back there, here's Justin Jefferson making that uh, making that push. Uh, so of course I would like to have Kirk. You know we don't have to really start anything over. We can just continue what we're already doing. But uh, you know I already know this is a business, and sure. you know everything happens. You know. So he he wants him back. You read everything about it. It sounds like he's going to go back there. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He is good. He doesn't get he doesn't get a lot of you know credit. I I know at one point he is he he had he struggled against uh, other teams that were above five hundred. You know he couldn't mm. beat anybody that was that, that had a winning record. But um, I don't know Gardner Minshew Baker Mayfield. I mean, if you want to like throw in the the did did Gardner did he make the the Pro Bowl this year? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I was think he an he alternate. I think he was an alternate, he, he, just yeah. like Gino was. Yeah. Gino was elected last year, yeah. uh, or the 2022 season. So, I, I mean, I, these are all similar type of guys. And then, you know, you look at Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, they've both been around for a while. I don't, none of them... Are they better than Gino? Yeah, none of that blows my skirt up at no. all. I mean, Kirk Cousins, maybe. But, you know, like you said, it sounds like that they're... Certainly trying to get him back, and I. Why wouldn't you? I mean, look, that's he. He's a good quarterback, um, but you know all this stuff about like we can't win with him. Well, does he complete passes? Does he throw touchdowns? I mean, it, I, I don't. I haven't seen any sign of him folding in any kind of pressure. Um, you know, he had he answered a really big question this last year, and that's can can he take you down the field and win a game for you? And he proved that four different times. 
Now, there mm-hmm. was a couple of times where, you know, I, I'm, the Cincinnati game, certainly, that was the most frustrating, where it just didn't look, but to me, that looked like he didn't really, and I'm not trying to, you know, throw everybody under the bus, but I just, I felt like the offensive play selection wasn't the greatest. Um, but then, but then again, I mean, you know, there was a couple, like the the play in Tennessee that they threw to Kobe Parkinson. I mean, that was pretty, pretty brilliant. I mean, you, that's not one of your, your main line guys right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, both, uh, all of these guys, you know, are just kind of in the same bucket, but. I just don't know why you don't believe in Gino going forward. I mean, right now, because, again, you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You don't have any of those, you know, the elite quarterbacks. You you have Gino, and I thought he answered, like I said, a huge question last year. He, he can take you down and win. Remember, that was the thing about T-Jack, you know, um, T. Jack was was a really good quarterback, and he was kind of a more of a game manager. God rest his soul. And you know he he couldn't take you down the field and score. Gino can't. I think I think Gino's a lot better quarterback than he gets credit for. So yeah, I don't. Again, it all comes down to you know who do you want? Who's who's the person instead of Gino? That's realistic. I mean, that's that's it. That's the question. Those are the three that were is you know. People yeah. were suggesting Uncle Rico. He's not available. No. Uh, but th- these were the guys. And listen, I get that, you know, Gardner Minshew's a Coog, and there are a lot of people love him. I don't think he's a starting quarterback. I think he's a great backup. I think he's a great guy to have right there. If your guy goes down, you throw him in for a few games, you feel good about what he may be able to do. But if you look at his numbers and look at what he does, why why is he better than Geno? Just because he wore a Coog's uniform? Because he's not. Yeah. I'm sorry, he's just not. And the same goes in Huntley's got some tantalizing elements to his game, but I just haven't seen him enough to feel like, well, get rid of Gino and get this guy. They're they're just to me, this is just my opinion. There isn't the obvious choice. There isn't the well, if you cut Gino, put this guy in. It's a no brainer. People were saying Drew Locke. Okay. Well, and that was more about saving money. I'm like, well, what what is your goal as a fan? Is it you want the team to save money or you want them to win? Because right now you know what you get out of Gino. Don't what, ask the Mariners that question. Well, yeah, that's a different question for them. <laughs> but but you know what you get out of Gino. Yeah. We 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 don't really know what you get out of seventeen games of Drew Locke. Could be better. He could be even better than Gino. He might be worse. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, you've seen him a, a number. Well, I don't know if that's a big enough sample size. To me, it's pretty small. You saw him in the, with the Giants, uh, and you saw him with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Not look very good. I mean, in in both of those situations. I mean, he he did hit, I think, Fant, and that was the one that he took down the sidelines and had had like a long carry. But I mean, for the most part, you know, other than that game-winning drive, it was okay. You know, Drew Luck yeah, was okay. Yeah. I mean, he made some good plays here and there. He just I haven't seen enough to get a feel yeah. of this is what he does. I think he's more athletic than Gino. I think he's a much better runner. Uh, but is he, is he more accurate? Is he a guy that, you know, when the game's on the line, he's a guy I can count on to, I don't know. I don't, I, we've seen so little of him. I don't even think it's fair to judge him, to be honest. By the way, I think that's going to be a little bit more of a premium of getting back to running quarterbacks. I mean, you saw what Lamar Jackson, and again, he could be a tailback on most teams, but mm-hmm. you know, you saw what Mahomes did during the, the, uh, Super Bowl. I mean, that pretty much, he, he put the game away with, mm-hmm. with his legs and then, 
you know, you, you saw that, uh, and, you know, there's there's lots of people that don't really understand how to to attack a quarterback who's on the run. I mean, you're worried about getting penalties and things like that. So, um, yeah, and, you know, and I don't think, you know, we keep talking about Drew Locke being a great athlete. Yeah, clearly he's a great athlete. He was recruited, you know, he was offered a basketball scholarship at Missouri and, and all that. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he's that much faster than Gino. I mean, I don't think Gino's a speed burner or anything, but I don't think Drew Locke is either. So, yeah, I think that there's a the, a premium on that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm i pretty much settled with Gino being the quarterback next year. And, you know, and look, I don't, I'm not out there looking for names that would replace him. But like I said, text them in. You know who are they? I mean, is this the legitimate the list? names? Is this Baker? Is it Baker May- Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, and Tyler Holly? Those are the free agents. Those are the guys. Yeah. Unless you're going to trade for Justin Fields, which I yeah, wouldn't want to see him do. A, outside of a trade, this is this is what you're stuck with. That's the the quality of quarterback that yeah. you can get off the market. Yeah, and I think he's better than all three of those. Same personally. Tyler Huntley, I, I haven't seen a. He's kind of like Drew Locke to me. I haven't seen enough of him to form a really solid opinion on him. And, and, you know, again, maybe and some Drew was the one we left off that list that was suggested a lot. But a lot of that was, hey, you can get him for cheaper. They feel like he'd be equal to Gino, but he'd be cheaper. I'm like, well, why, why are you so concerned with their salary cap? You know, I think you want the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win. Yeah. And between those two right now, I feel like it's Gino. It could be Drew, but it could be much worse. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, and Drew could develop into a really good quarterback. I just think he needs way more game reps, right? Yeah. And he showed he's he's got some moxie. He's got some stones. He came over and put the backpack on, and yeah. somehow that <laughs> was really cool. And I didn't get that part of it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he's he's got some – and we don't really know. He's kind of an unknown. Yeah. All right, coming up, it's been the most scrutinized part of the Super Bowl. So what if – the 49ers had kicked off to start overtime. We'll get into that next. It's What If Wednesday with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. What? 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 It's time for What If Wednesday. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. Wyman and Bob rewrite the scripts of major moves and moments in sports every Wednesday afternoon. Now step into an alternative reality. With Wyman and Bob. <laughs> Matt just makes me laugh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't repeat what you said, but it was very funny. Nope, it not was, a single word of it. Very funny. All right. What If Wednesday, which is presented by Mazda of Everett. We play the hypothetical here. And, Dave, what if what if the 49ers had deferred? They won. They win the coin toss in overtime. Rather than saying we want the ball, we're gonna we're gonna defer. We'll we'll start on defense. Would the outcome have been different? You know, it's funny. I think it's kind of like the Super Bowl where, like Paul was talking about, that it's it's like you have to say, well, how many times out of ten? How many times out of ten are you gonna? How many times out of ten will the the Chiefs beat the Forty ers And I, I said I thought it was you know around six or seven that the Chiefs would beat the Niners, and Moyer said the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it could have gone if a couple of plays had worked. You know, do you think this would be the new trend where people are like, "Hey, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the ball. We're gonna be, have confidence in our offense. Go right down the the field." And like Kyle Shanahan was saying, you know, also you get the third chance, right? Because mm-hmm. if you score a touchdown and they score a touchdown, it's next next uh, score. Wins. So and I think the Chiefs have said they would have gone for two had that been the scenario. So they were talking about it. Yeah, that 49ers go down, score, 
touchdown, extra point, seven points, they're going to go down, score a touchdown, go for two. Yeah. Would they have done that? I don't know. If, it's a bit, that's a big move right there. If you're yeah. Andy Reid, are you are you going for two? Or are you saying, all right, let's let's tie this up, let's kick the extra point, and take our chances with our great defense and run corn dog. Corn dog points, yeah, or maybe spider two y banana day, whatever <laughs> suits you. Uh, but yeah, I don't. You're right, and Kyle Shanahan breaking down what went into his decision to take the ball in overtime. This is something we talked about. With none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked with those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. But both teams matched and scored. We wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win and got that field goal. So we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if we did, then we felt it was in our hands after that. So, I mean, that, that that makes sense as well. And he even mentioned the analytics, right? Which Schlereth loves. He loves that He's part He's a big of it, fan right? of that. We talked about that yesterday. Was it? Who was it when we talked to the analytics guy that he said was one of the worst? I think it was the 49ers. Didn't he? When we talked to oh, that guy. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Who he was said, it all? Who he was said, it we were talking yeah, to? Seth Walder. Seth Walder. Yeah. Then said, game management. The 49ers won the worst, and you had to clarify. Like you said, the 49ers. He goes, yeah, yeah, Bob did. With yeah, in-game decisions. Yeah. No, I, yeah, mm. exactly. And um, it's kind of interesting that I don't know if the analytics <laughs> was even involved in this, but he says it was. Yeah, I mean, it's two things that you know. You, you kind of one is you're giving Patrick Mahomes four downs because they know if you score a touchdown that they you know have they're going go for it on fourth down. Yeah, and then. Then the other other side is is that that you get the the ball the third time, so you know you want to be able to go down and and uh, finish the game. But I don't know you're not you're not taking account. I guess you're not trusting your defense in that situation. But I, to me, I didn't think there was anything wrong with what he did. I, you know, I thought it was you know kind of a a gutsy move, and that's what you you need to do, and you need to trust your guys. Look, that's something that you know maybe during the regular season, if that comes up, that he does. You don't do anything that you don't get away from things like you know with Dan Campbell going for it on fourth down. You know that's what he had done all year, mm-hmm. and so that's what what he did a couple of times. Didn't work out for him, but. Just don't get away from what you do. Um, I think in his mind, and that's really the only one that matters, right? You know, um, and the other thing is you could have lost the the coin toss, you know? So anyway, it, it just, there's a lot of what ifs there, but I just, I think that you, I think what he did there is something, is an attitude that he's had all year. And that's why they got to the Super Bowl because yeah. they're like, a, hey, we're going to get the ball. We're going to go down there and score. I have a lot of confidence in my offense and I'm calling the plays and it's all on me. And so I prefer it that way. So, yeah, I mean. Now, and Campbell's a good example because it didn't work, but yeah. he, you could argue had he not been that way throughout the entire season, he wouldn't have never been in that position to exactly. make those calls. So Not in the NFC Championship. You're a genius when it works. Boy, look at the guts on this guy. He's going for it. That's what you should yeah. do. It works. And then it, when it doesn't work, what an idiot. Why didn't you take the field goal there instead of going for it? What kind of moron are you? I mean, it just it's very convenient. But that's awesome for fans, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's what, what it's all about. you know. And that's kind of what I hear from like the people in my neighborhood that come up. Why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? And I'm like, well, it had worked pretty much all the time but yeah that was stupid because they didn't get it <laughs> like listen i didn't call the plays i don't know why you want yeah. to argue with me and i've already done a show today so thank you yeah i'm not <laughs> throwing my neighbors under the bus i'm just saying like people just in general that will come up and oh you're in sports what do you think of that call yeah. you know so yeah i mean and again i think you got to look at it um as far as like out of how many times 10 out of you know is it six out of ten is it seven out of ten you know i i feel like little things happen i mean 
Man, if Purdy would have just chucked that ball up to Jennings, ran that little whip route where he was where Jones wide came free. open, where Chris Jones is, you know, maybe maybe that's a touchdown there. Yeah, I mean, if his guy had just even not blocked him, but just been a human speed bump, slowed him down for just a hot second, maybe that play is that's a completed pass. I mean, it, it was a fantastic route. That was uh, that was that's a pretty big miss for an O lineman right in that that moment, and to have that guy come running free untouched is like wow. That that's that's a brutal. But uh, uh, one other from from Kyle Shanahan, he he talked about. You know, the other part of that story was that some of his players didn't know the rules, and we've hit it a million times. Who cares? doesn't change anything that they do on the field. Here's Kyle talking about that. We did say, and we told everyone as we were waiting for the coin toss, hey, review everyone with them, make sure they're sure before we go out. So we asked the position coach to do that, but no, I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. And as Kyle Juszczyk came out and said the same thing, so it doesn't matter whether I knew the rules or not, it doesn't change how I attack that play. I think it's awesome that he comes out and says, I didn't cover it. I mean, he was honest about it. Yeah. Because you could have said, oh, yeah, we, we work on that stuff every week. Now, yes, the player's like, no, I don't remember you know, having to work. But they were the most sure. Like That's why Kyle Juszczyk was perfectly fine going out there going, yeah, I really didn't know the rules. Because he knows that it doesn't matter. Yeah, and he, he followed up the next day saying, yeah, it doesn't change anything in terms right. of what we do as players out there on the field, whether we know the rules or not. They call the plays. We try to execute to the best of our ability either way. Yeah, right. so Kyle Juszczyk went up in my book yeah. a notch because yeah. he's being honest and he, he ultimately is right. All right, the Seahawks have important roster decisions to make over the next few weeks, and we're going to hear about some of the interesting conversations surrounding those with best of the rest. Coming up, it's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.